Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. We're continuing our series today, uh, even as your soul prospers, and we're talking about health. And I have to to start, even before we pray, by saying this, that um, normally uh, I come in here like on fire, ready to go. I believe that God has dropped a, a, a word in my heart for, for you, and, um, and I'm excited to bring it. There, there's very few times that I'm not just like busting at the seams uh, to bring the message. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. Preaching is one of my favorite things to do. I hope that you can see that, pretty passionate about it, kind of get loud, um, and I, I hope that you can see that. I have to be 100% honest today because I think that... Um, that there's power and healing and, and hope in transparency. I have struggled with this message for two weeks. Um, and even yesterday, we're driving home yesterday from, uh, from Midland. Tiffany and I were in, well, I was in Austin, and she actually came up just to hang out Friday night um, because we've been going in different directions. It seems like since September, um, we've been kind of going in different directions. And um, and I, I was t- kind of tired of being out of town. And so um, I said, why don't you come up to Austin and let's, uh, let's just hang out in Austin on Friday night. So we did that, and then, um, and then we drove home yesterday, flew into Midland and drove home. And on the way home, um, I told her, and she had to fly to Atlanta this morning, so crazy. Um, but when we were on the way home yesterday, I said, you know, I, it, it's so weird because I'm just really struggling with with this message, it's not that I don't think God's given me something good, and it's not that I, it's, it's very sensitive. Um, it's very, um, very direct, very, very to the point, and I feel like it's what God wants me to bring to you today. Um, and, you know, and, and I have to say, too, that God doesn't, God doesn't bring anything to you through me that he hasn't revealed in me first. And I think that's one of the reasons why this is difficult because this is something, and I've, I've alluded to it and I've talked about it, this is the grittiest that I've been so far uh, about the things that I've, uh, that I've gone through and the journey that I've had in the last 18 months um, concerning our, not only our health but concerning our mental health. And these are the things that God has revealed to me that has pulled me out of a hole. And so uh, I want you to, as family today, um, to hear my heart. Uh, I'm asking that you hear my my openness, that you hear my vulnerability, um, 
that you hear truth. One of the scary things in being vulnerable is that when you're vulnerable, sometimes you wonder if you're qualified. But I believe that in vulnerability, God brings healing. And I think that a lot of us could use a lot more vulnerability in our life so that God can bring some more healing into our life. Amen? So we're going to talk about that today. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your love that's been extended to us. We thank you that today we're favored of you because of your son, Jesus. We thank you, God, today that you've sent the Holy Spirit to us to reveal truth to us. And so in this time together, we call on the Holy Spirit to teach us. We call on the Holy Spirit to quicken the word of God to our lives. God, we ask today that through the teaching of your word, that it brings freedom in our life. That as we know truth, truth brings freedom. We give you honor and thanksgiving and praise in Jesus' name, amen. 3 John 2 is where we begin today and it's where we've began every week in 3 John 2 and we should have the scripture up here. I'm gonna go kinda quick today, so I'm gonna try to. 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and that you may be in health just as your soul prospers. I wanna remind you of a couple of things in this verse. First of all, the word prosper, it means to be on a good road. This is to be on a a good path. Beloved, I wish above all things that you're on a good path, that you're on a good road, that you're moving in the direction that I've called you to move in, that above all things that you prosper, that you're on that good path, and that you be in health just as your soul prospers. I want to make sure that we understand today that when he's talking about health, I'm gonna grab this real quick. I'm sorry, guys. I've got this like catch in my throat. And I knew I had it. I'm embarrassed to have this cup because I don't know if you guys watch college football, but this says OU and that's not pretty. At all. It's embarrassing. All right. Um, but I tell you this, I was in Austin and it was really hard for me to turn all the Texas shirts and cups and stuff upside down because there were a lot of them, but I tried my best. Um, I gave it a go. So, um, beloved, I pray above all things that you prosper and be in health, even at your soul prospers. The word health there is not just talking about physical, though it is talking about physical. It's talking about physical, it's talking about mental, it's talking about emotional, and I believe this is talking about spiritual health as well that you prosper and be in health even as your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, or we could even say it like this, the center of you is in health, is whole. That you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. See, I believe this, that our soul prospers and is a catalyst for the rest of our life, prospering in every area of our life as we renew our mind to the things of God. We've got to renew our mind to the things of God. See, the things of God in our life becoming the very center of everything that we do, of our being, the things of God in our life as the catalyst for us, those are the things that really move us. I believe that that's why there's such an assault on the mind from the enemy. Because as the mind goes, the rest of you goes. There's a battle every single day for your mind. 
When, when Tiffany was going through her health struggles and we were seeking God and, and believing God, the thing that, that stuck out to us more than anything is that the, our responsibility was just to keep our mind on the things of God, keep ourselves in the love of God. We're gonna talk about that today. How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? We've dismissed a lot of the mental side of it, I think, so many times in the church because we say, oh, you just gotta renew your mind. If I were to stand right here and grab a microphone, I don't need one, I'm just, this hypothetical. If I were to grab a microphone and I were to say, somebody, somebody come in and show me or tell us or teach us how to renew your mind. Just open mic, anybody who wants to come up, just come up and tell us how to renew your mind. I think we can maybe have a few answers. And then I say, okay, show me in the scripture where it says that. I think we would have fewer answers. We may have some. But one of the things that I think we do sometimes is we throw out these things that we haven't really given serious consideration to in the scripture, and it's really easy to say, oh, you just gotta renew your mind. How do we renew our mind? How do we take control of our thoughts? How do we, we capture the heart of God? How do we keep ourselves in the love of God? How do we do these things so that we can dig out of the hole? I'm gonna read the scripture even though we've alluded to it, Romans 12, one and two. I urge you, my brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. There's an assault on the mind, and I believe there's an assault on the mind because the enemy knows that if he can mess up your thinking, he can mess up your life. If he can mess up your thinking, he can mess up your relationships. If he can mess up your thinking, then he can destroy your workplace. If he can mess up your thinking, then he can pull you away from community, from where God has plugged you in. If he can mess up your thinking, he can mess up your life. There's an assault on the mind, and that's why the Bible tells us we've got to guard our mind. We've got to renew our mind. We've got to strengthen our mind. There's a battle every day. Am I going to be controlled by by the external or am I going to be controlled by the internal? Am I going to follow the things that God has put into my life or am I going to follow the things of this world that I look all around and I see things that are ready to corrupt me and to destroy me? What am I going to focus on? How do I battle every day? But I know that it's the will of God that I be in health in my mind. So how do I do it? How do I do it? The Bible tells us in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then it says, but I, Jesus, have come that you might have life and that you might have life more abundantly. When we are living a high quality of life, an abundant life, then we're hooked up with the things of God. See, we can't live an abundant life that God has designed for us if we aren't locking up the things that are important to us. If we're not locking up the things that are important to us. There's an assault on your mind 
And if we're not locking up those things, if we're not locking up those thoughts, if we're not casting out thoughts that aren't agreeing with the mind of God, if we aren't being active, we can't live an abundant life. We're stolen from because we don't value our mind, our mental health as much as we value other things. We're being stolen from because we don't value those things enough to lock it up. And so how do you do mind renewal? How do you do this whole like changing the way we think? And that's what we're gonna dig into today. How do we change the way we think? We're also gonna talk about physical health, but our mental health is a catalyst for our physical health. I heard a statement the other day, and I, I posted it first on, uh, on my Twitter feed. If you wanna get like, like raw into what I'm thinking, then follow me on Twitter. Sometimes I share those things to, uh, to Facebook. I more share them on, on Twitter because it's a better platform for it and it just kinda gets my thought into space, but, um, but there's less haters on Twitter. So, at least on my Twitter, because nobody follows me. Um, But I heard this statement from a friend of mine. He said this. He said, there's not enough anointing oil and prayer to make you free from a lie that you've made an agreement with. That's strong, you guys. There's not enough prayer. There's not enough anointing oil to come and to say, I'm going to be free from this place that I've settled in. I've made an agreement with it. What do I mean by you've made an agreement with it? So many times things come into our life and it's not about what voice you hear, it's about what voice you're gonna follow. But if we have made the decision that we're gonna follow the voice of another and not the voice of God, then we're allowing a lie to become seated in our life and we begin to make agreements with that lie. Well, it's not that bad. Well, I can live with it. Well, yeah. Yeah, I've got an anger problem, but it's not as bad as it used to be. And so I'm okay. I can live with it. Well, I know that sometimes my anxiety just gets the best of me, but it's just the way I am. It's my family. And so I try to just make it to where I can just withdraw for a little bit and it not really control me and it not really affect me that much. We've made an agreement with it. We've made an agreement with that lie. What about this? What about, have, have you heard this? Well, just every time the weather changes, my knee acts up and I can't walk for a couple days, right? How many times have we made an agreement with it and we've just settled to where we think, well, this is okay. I preached uh, several weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, I don't remember, and we talked about settling where you're at. We talked about health and settling where you're at. Sometimes we've settled for less than God's best. You're not going to be free from that, and we think that we can come up in a prayer line and be free from something that we've made an agreement with. That's not how it works. The way that it works is me saying, no, this is not what God has made me to be, and I break my agreement. I break my contract that I have with that sickness. I'm not going to be this way forever. But God is working in my life. God is changing me. God is adjusting me. See, you overcome 
by the knowledge of Jesus and the knowledge of his sacrifice. God said to me this morning, as I was in my kitchen getting ready, I don't get ready in the kitchen. That sounded really weird. I'm a, as I'm in my kitchen, I'm putting on my clothes. I'm, that was weird. As I was in my kitchen getting my drink ready this morning, God said to me, I need you to say this to my people. I need you to divorce from your arrogant spirit that would make you think that you already know all there is to know about Jesus and his sacrifice. I'm gonna say it again. I need you to divorce from your arrogant spirit that would make you think you already know all there is to know about Jesus and his sacrifice. He said this. He said, so many times it's preached, you need to know Jesus, you need to know his sacrifice, you need to, to get to know Jesus more. And I just felt this in my spirit, and I'm not talking necessarily to one person in particular, and I'm not trying to single you out, even if you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit right now. I have no names attached to this word, and I know it's strong. But he said this. He said, when you say that, there are some that sit there every week that think, I already know that. I already know that. And he said, today, I need you to divorce from that thought. Separate from that thought. In fact, Paul said it this way. In Philippians chapter three, verse eight, yet, indeed, I also count all things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him. See, this is Paul. This is the guy who literally set the world on fire for Jesus, went all over the world, and revival broke out in all kinds of places. This is the guy who was in prison for Jesus and shipwrecked for Jesus. This is the guy who was persecuted for Jesus, who had an encounter with Jesus radically, and his life changed in an instant. This is Paul, but Paul said this, that I may know him. I wanna know him. He had already written a lot of the Bible when he said this. And he said, I wanna know him. I wanna know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed. Does that sound familiar from the book of Romans? To be conformed, I wanna be conformed into his image. I want to be conformed into his death. If by any means I might attain resurrection from the dead. And then he reiterates it here because if you didn't know, now you know. He says, not that I have already attained. And I am not already perfected. But I press on then I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself. He says it again. It's a third time, more explicit. I want you to understand today that I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing that I do, I forget the things that are behind me and I reach forward. 
to those things that are ahead of me. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, what is our word for this year? Maturity. Therefore, let any of us that are mature have this same mind. Some of us think we're mature and we think we know it all. That's not what maturity means. Paul said maturity means that I don't know it all and I still need to learn more. Let as many of us that are mature have this mind. If any of you think otherwise, he said, God will reveal it to you. When we know him, when we know him, you overcome by the knowledge of Jesus, by the knowledge of his sacrifice. If you've said this, I know that Jesus died for me, but then you need to grow in your revelation of him. What about this? I'm just gonna be real right now. <clears throat> if you wrestle with sickness, lack, fear, stress, anger, obedience, you don't have a full revelation of the cross. I'm not saying that to condemn today. I'm saying that to tell you to earnestly desire a revelation of the cross. To never stop learning what the cross means. To never stop learning, never stop growing, never stop striving, never stop pressing ahead. Paul said, I do this every day. I don't count myself to know it all, but I press forward. We're using his text still today to learn about God, and in that text, he was vulnerable. He said, I, guys, I'm still learning. I still need to understand. I still have places in my life where I struggle, but I can tell you this is what I do. I forget what's behind me, and I push ahead. I push ahead so that I might know him more, so that I might be conformed into his image more in a greater way than I've ever been conformed into his image. When we know him, we won't believe a lie. Some of the lies we've made agreements with, we're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about lies that we've made an agreement with, but I wanna read this first in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number three, and I don't think this one's up there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of this world or fleshly, but they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds. It says, casting out imaginations, arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What does this verse mean? There's freedom in this verse. It says, though we're fighting in the flesh, we don't war against the flesh. So whatever those external situations are, that's not your enemy. That person is not your enemy. That boss is not your enemy. That ex is not your enemy. The person who did you wrong is not your enemy. The sickness, the ailment, that's not your enemy. What is your enemy? The devil is your enemy. He says, uh, you war in the flesh, but you don't war according to the flesh. We don't fight things the same way. 
Sometimes we have this revenge mentality. We have a victim mentality. We have a broken mentality. But he said, I don't want you to fight the way that the flesh fights. I want you to fight the enemy to pull down strongholds in your life. Those strongholds are in your mind. He says, casting out arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What does that mean? Anything that's in your life that raises itself up above who you know God to be. How can we know what arguments are against who we know God to be if we don't know God? We have to get to know him. We have to grow in our knowledge of him every day. And then those things that are exalting themselves above who God is, then we can grab a hold of those things and we can throw them out. We can cast down arguments. We can cast down the high things that exalt themselves above the knowledge of God. And then it says bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Pastor Daniel says that the best of anybody I've ever heard it said, heard say it, that when he says that when we're bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, we're bringing it into the realization that Christ obeyed. Christ, Jesus Christ went to the cross. The obedience of him going to the cross overcomes every other thought. And so when that thought comes up in our life, we're saying, no, that thought doesn't have a hold of me because Christ obeyed. And because Christ obeyed, I'm the righteousness of God in him. Amen? Because Christ obeyed, I am the head and I'm not the tail. Because Christ obeyed, I have freedom and I have joy and I don't have to wait till December 17th to have joy no matter what Jasmine says. Right? I'm just kidding, I had to. I have joy because, of, because the Prince of Peace lives in me. I have peace, right? I don't have anxiety. I have peace because the Prince of Peace. I don't have fear because perfect love lives in me. And I know that God is perfect love and I have access to perfect love. See, I wanna break that down real quick because just, just because you know that God is perfect love doesn't mean you have perfect love. Why is it important that we know that Christ obeyed and that we have access to everything that's on the, that he did on the cross? It's important because we know that that's mine. Yeah, I know that there's peace in Jesus, but I can't have peace because of the things that have, been, that have happened to me, the things that have done, been done to me. I can't be in that. That's not talking about me. No, it is because I know that Christ obeyed. And if Christ obeyed, I am one in him. If I am one in him, then I cast down those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and then I bring it into captivity, knowing that they belong to me because Jesus Christ died for me. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Four lies that we believe. Four lies that we've made an agreement with. Number one, and I want you to write these down and I think we have them on here somewhere. Number one, the lie of isolation. The lie of isolation. The enemy will try to isolate you from your strength. The Bible tells us that in God's presence there is fullness of joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. This is where I'm at right now. If you want me to just lay it on the line, and I said I was going to today. 
This is where I'm at, is learning how to have joy again. Joy is not happiness, even though happiness is joyful. But joy and happiness are not equal. You can have joy in the midst of a trial. You can have joy in the midst of a bad day. You can have joy in the midst of a struggle because joy is a choice. Joy is an attribute of our God. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Right? I was talking to somebody one day. um, This was several years ago. I was counseling with them. And... I began to read the fruit of the Spirit and we were going through those and, and, and talking about them in their life and the Spirit of God spoke to me and he said, stop telling people to work on the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, why would I tell them that? Because that's just who they are. It's just who they are. I have a peach tree in my front yard and that peach tree doesn't have to work to produce peaches, it's just what it does. That's what it produces. It's not hard for it to do it. You water it, you give it sun, it's gonna produce peaches. It's what it does. The fruit of the Spirit in our life, it's just who we are. These are the things that come and grow in us because the Spirit of God lives in us. You are joy. You have joy. So when talking about where I'm at today, Finding that place of joy. And so I've asked God, God help me to find that place of joy all the time. I mean, there's some days that there's a lot of joy, but there's some days where there's not any joy at all. But that's not God's best. And so how do I find that place of joy? God's showing me and revealing to me why, how? Because I've said, God, I wanna get to know you more. I want to know Jesus more. I want to know the power of his resurrection more. I want to know what you saved me from. I want to know what belongs to me in Christ. The lie of isolation will will take you away from your strength. See, many times he does this by straining relationships, making differences and divisions between two people and Maybe sometimes personal ambition becomes king over relationship. Have you ever lost a relationship because of personal ambition? You feel like you got stepped on by somebody else or maybe you stepped on somebody to get somewhere else? Personal differences. You've heard me talk about it a whole lot, but politics is doing this to us every day. Every day. It's such a lie of the enemy. It is such a cancer in our society to see relationships, long-standing relationships ripped apart because of a political view. I hate it. And it's disastrous in the church. The lie of isolation. We've been empowered and emboldened by social media we become keyboard warriors. I got in trouble one time for saying that in a public setting. <laughs> but I'll keep saying it. I don't care. We become keyboard warriors. <laughs> because I mean it. We get on there and we are really tough behind our phone screen. Really tough. And we're causing division and we're isolating ourselves and we're breaking relationships. This causes division in the church. The enemy is causing division in the church. 
And then we believe the, uh, the lie of isolation that I just need to remove myself from that situation. There are chairs that are empty in here today because of the lie of isolation. Because there are some that feel because of the actions of one person that rubbed them the wrong way that they have to go the other way. That they have to remove themselves from a source of strength. Because the enemy has brought a lie to them and they've believed the lie. They've agreed with the lie. And they're hurting. And they're broken. And they're struggling. Guys, is there anybody, I don't want you to raise your hand, but is there anybody in this room that has ever been hurting? Is there anybody in this room that has ever been broken? Is there anybody in this room that has ever struggled with anything in their life, hurt people, hurt people? Broken people break people. But when we come together as a family, when we come together as the people of God, there's a place of healing. And if I'm gonna say that we have a door that is open for you to come in however you are, that means we're being vulnerable as a church. And are there people that are going to come into this place that are going to hurt other people? Yes, there are. And I wish I could say definitively that it would never happen, but I can't. I can't. And the reason why I can't is because I want this to be a place of transformation. I want it to be a place of healing. I want it to be a place of hope. I don't want anybody to get hurt. But I want to grow together. Have you ever had a family member that hurts you? But you're still family at the end of the day. We're connected by the blood of Jesus. So we may not be physical blood but we're connected by something, in my opinion, that's even stronger. And that's the blood of Jesus. We all come here and we don't try to put on a facade. We don't try to, to, to put on our church clothes and our church face every Sunday. But we have an open policy to say, come as you are and you are welcome in this house. And that means there's gonna be some ugly sometimes. But it's okay. Because let's embrace the ugly. Amen? Let's embrace the ugly so that we can find healing, so that we can find hope together. Amen? Don't believe the lie of isolation. It hurts. Most people, and I talk a lot about this and talk to some of you about it. Um, one of the best things that I ever did, that I, I ever made the decision in my life to, to see a counselor, one of the best things that I've ever done in my life. But I believe this, and we've had this conversation a lot. I think that, that counseling is good. I was just talking to a friend that, that also does counseling. I was talking to, to her this week. And we were talking about the fact that most people, long term, they don't need a counselor. They need a community. Sometimes we need to have a counselor that pull us out, but I can say this, for six weeks, I attended intense sessions with my counselor. And then after that, we would talk about every two weeks or three weeks, and now, every Thursday night at 5.30, I get on a small group with other pastors, and we just talk. Because I didn't need counselor forever, 
I just needed a community. I just needed some brothers. There was a time about three months ago, I was really having a hard time. I just couldn't seem to shake it. And so I texted my counselor and I said, hey, can we find a time to just chat a little bit? And he was like, for sure. And so he said, let's just stay on after, after group on Thursday night. I said, cool. So we stayed on after group. We talked for about an hour, talked through some stuff. See, he's there. For the most part, I do pretty well because I'm building community, building Jesus community. What are our guys doing every Thursday night? What time, 7 o'clock? Getting on Zoom or Facebook Messenger, whatever it is, and building community, building brotherhood. Sometimes we don't need to make too much of it. We just need community. The lie of isolation will keep you away from community, but it's vital, and it should be happening right here. It should be happening here, where we can be open with one another, where we can be broken and pushed to the healer. One thing that I think is extremely important is that we don't have every answer. It was liberating to me when I understood that in counseling with people that I didn't have to have every answer. I just had to have an ear. I didn't have to break down all of these, you know, life um, directions. Let's just, I can listen and let's just point to Jesus. And if, I, if we listen and we point to Jesus, then we're gonna have answers. Then we're gonna have hope. See, Jesus is the answer anyway. Jesus is the hope anyway. The lie of isolation that we've made agreements with keeps us away from community. It keeps us away from strength. It keeps us away from that place of, uh, that, that we can hold each other up, carry one another. Don't believe the lie of isolation. Number two, the second lie I wanna talk about today is the lie of acceptance. The lie of acceptance. Many times we've accepted our current situation. And I talked about that a moment ago. We've accepted it that it's just always going to be this way. Don't believe the lie of acceptance. God has made you to rise above. God has made you to be the head. God has blessed you. He has given you everything that you need to live an abundant life. So do not believe the lie of acceptance. The next lie that we've made agreements with is the lie of self-righteousness. The lie of self-righteousness. Sometimes we think of self-righteousness as that you think you're all high and mighty, right? But let me submit to you that it also goes the other way. That self-righteousness doesn't just mean that you think you're high and mighty. Sometimes self-righteousness means I think I have to make myself righteous and I can't ever get there. I can't ever attain it because of the things that I've done in my life. And I think that there's so many of us that think we don't deserve God's goodness. And so that's why we don't have God's goodness. And we believe the lie. Sometimes we think I've made too many mistakes and I'm just content right here where I'm at. I'm blessed, but I'll never get there. I'm blessed, but I'll never be blessed like them. 
because I did this, because I've put myself here. We think it's noble. We think we're taking responsibility. God never asked you to take responsibility. That's why he sent Jesus. He never said you have to take responsibility for your station in life. You have to take responsibility for your sin. He didn't say that. Jesus took responsibility, paid the price, and it's not wrong of me to expect that that was enough. That's what God wants of you. Do not believe the lie of self-righteousness that you don't deserve righteousness or you can't attain it because you have to do it yourself. You couldn't do it anyway. Amen? Praise God. The last thing... The last lie that we believe is the lie of magical prayers. The lie of magical prayers. This is one that I almost put on Twitter, and I thought that's a little edgy even for Twitter because I don't want to, I don't have enough characters in Twitter to give an explanation, and I don't think anybody wants to read it anyway. So, but I hope you want to hear it. The lie of magical prayers. Prayer without listening and obedience is futility. Prayer without listening and obedience is futility. We talked about it earlier that you can't just pray away some things. There takes obedience. There takes listening. Sometimes we have to hear the voice of God. I want to give you an example of this. So a couple of years ago, I don't even remember when it was, a few years ago. Um, I, went to, I went to the doctor and um, was just having some blood work done and all kinds of different things. And um, when you go to the doctor, you get your, your blood pressure checked, right? Well, I hate going to the doctor so much. I hate it, everything about it. And so I went to, and my blood pressure was high. And they said, you have high blood pressure. Are you nervous? And I said, well, I hate being here. I mean, let's just be straight up. We don't need to sugarcoat things. You get paid to hear my honesty, all right? So here we go. Well, I don't want to be here. Well, maybe it's just because of that. So I come back the next time, and they're like, your blood pressure's high. You nervous? Well, I don't like being here. Did you have a stressful day? Kind of have a stressful day every day. Uh, I mean, so they said, we want you to come back in. I didn't really understand how high my blood pressure was. But they said, we want you to come back in and uh, have it checked. Maybe come first thing in the morning. Okay, so I came first thing in the morning, and it was up there. High. So they put me on a blood pressure medication, and every time I go, it's high. I mean, so they changed my medication, give me more medication. I'm taking like 87 pills or something. No, there's, there's two. But um, I hate everything about it. I hate it. And so I was praying, this is not that long ago, about, so I was out of town, let me just tell the whole story, all right, we're being vulnerable, all right, are we, are we being real today, if we're being real, okay, so I'm out of town, and um, I, I didn't take my blood pressure meds with me, of course, right, so um, I was feeling like crazy dizzy, like bad, like I knew my blood pressure was high. And um, the group I was with, I let them go and do their thing, and I just sat down, and I'm like, all right. And so I'm praying, and I'm asking God. I'm like, God, I know that your will for me is to be healed, and you didn't create me with high blood pressure. And so I'm asking you to heal me from this. Heal me from 
high blood pressure. And God spoke to me right there, super, I mean, I, if there could have been like riding in the clouds or whatever, it would have been. He said, I already told you what to do about your high blood pressure. I, I wanted it to be like a magical prayer. I was just gonna walk up. I don't have to change anything in my life. I'm just gonna walk up. There's gonna be hands laid on me. Blood pressure's gonna go down. It's never gonna rise again. I can keep doing whatever I wanna do. But we believe the lie of magical prayer and we wonder why we're not well. He said, I already told you what to do. What did you drink this morning? Red Bull. What did you drink yesterday morning? Red Bull. What did you eat yesterday? Everything fried that I could find. Are we being real? Sometimes God told us what to do about it and we want to pray it away. But he gave us an answer and we wonder why we're not well. Sometimes we end up blaming God for that. Why do I have this today instead of a Red Bull? Because this is good for me even though it doesn't taste as good. <laughs> I'm just being real. I told a few people, I said, you guys, don't let me have Red Bulls. Like, you have the permission. I told Jasmine, right? Because even when I've tried tried to, to remove myself from that and to say, this is, I love Red Bull. I love it. I love the taste of it. I, I would just have it as just like, not for energy, but just to drink. I don't, you know, I don't order Red Bulls, though. I don't order Red Bulls. All right, watch me. Watch me. I'm putting it on blast right here, you guys. I'm really putting myself out there. Because I know that some of y'all are going to be coming up to me when I'm in Albertsons. I got it in my car. They're going to be like, hey. I told Jasmine, I said, Sunday mornings, don't let me have it. Don't let me have it. One of my problems is, I have this nice Red Bull refrigerator on my back patio. I do. Some of y'all know it's stocked all the time. Some of y'all need to come over and drink the ones that I got in there right now. <laughs> the lie of magical prayers. Guys, I'm not saying prayer doesn't work. Prayer absolutely works, but sometimes you don't like the answer. Right? I want a God to just take it away. And he's like, no, I'm not gonna just take it away. You need to obey. You need to obey. If we're not gonna obey, and then we're gonna get mad, that God's not doing his job, he's saying, bro, you better do yours. Proverbs 4, verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and they are health to all their flesh. Did you notice that? They are health to all their flesh. What are health to their flesh? My words. God's words are health to your flesh. When is the last time that you were struggling in your life and you opened up the Bible to get an answer for it? But he says right here, don't you, don't you say you believe the Bible? I mean, we're in church. We're Christians. 
The meme you posted last week said you believe the Bible. So do you? If you do, it says here that God's words are life and health to you. And if God's words are life and health to you, if we wanna be in health, if you're struggling in your mind, if you're struggling in your body, what does God say about it? What does the scripture say? If I need to renew my mind to the things of God, how do I do that? I need to look and see what God says. And then with the knowledge of God, I can bring into captivity the thoughts that don't align with that. Amen? We're talking about mind renewal here. God's best is not in the miracle. God's best is in your obedience. I said two weeks ago that your continued blessing is in your giving, is in your obedience. Well, your continued health is in your obedience. Sometimes we need a miracle. Sometimes we need a miracle. And if you need a miracle, I believe that the miracle is there for you. And I believe that God's best is not for you to struggle and struggle and struggle until you need a miracle. God's best for you is for you to walk in health all the time. Amen? All the time. God's voice is most often heard through the reading of his word. In the same way, health is most often received through the obedience of his word. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'm gonna close with these thoughts right here. It's like a 30-minute closing, so hang on. John chapter nine. John chapter nine, verse one. It says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Remember that, he's blind from birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They had this mindset that sickness comes on you because of sin in your life. Jesus was like, no, 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 neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God would be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said these things, he spat on the ground, he made clay with saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. That's a very nice way of saying Jesus spit on the ground and took the mud and threw it in the guy's eye. Jesus had healed other blind people before. Not that way. Why did he heal this guy this way? This guy was blind from birth. He probably stood at the same place. It was custom to stand at the same place every day and beg. I'm sure he was standing at the same place where they had passed him a dozen times. Why did the disciples today say, hey, look at this guy. This guy wasn't asking for healing. Who sinned, this guy or, or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, whoa, neither one sinned. He was born into a system. He was born into a world that has a lot of messed up stuff. And he was born blind. But I wanna show you the works of God in his life. But I gotta do it while it's day. Because we've got a certain window. And I'm not talking about a day like sun is out the day, right? I'm not talking about a 24-hour period. I'm not talking about daylight savings time, not daylight savings time, right? But that's not what we're talking about here. He says, I must do the work while it is day because the longer that we are blinded, the longer that we are sick, the longer that we are begging, we become harder and harder and harder. And Jesus was saying, this guy right here, he's becoming hardened, but I must work now because there's still some opportunity 
opportunity for light in his life. There's still opportunity for light. So I'm going to do a work in him. And so he looks at the blind guy and he spits on the ground and he makes clay. Why? Because clay is moldable. The only other time that we see God making clay out of the dust of the earth is when he formed Adam in his image. And so he spit in the ground and he made mud, he made clay, and he wipes it in the guy's eyes because he wanted to show him that there is still opportunity for you, even though you've been blind, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even though you've had blindness working in your life and you've begged and begged and begged. I want you to know that there's a purpose and there's a plan for you and I have not given up on you, but there's still a time for you to be molded and you to be shaped. And so he spit in the ground and he made mud and he wiped it in the guy's eyes and look what it says. He says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And in the Bible it says this, which is translated sent. Jesus spoke to the blind man he said, I can still mold you. I'm putting this in your eyes because you can still be molded, but I'm not gonna wipe it out because I need you to obey. And so he goes and he washes in the pool of Siloam when it means sent because when he washed it off, he could clearly see that God had called him to something great and that he was sent to do something for the kingdom of God. He was sent with a testimony. It says, so when he washed, he came back seeing. Therefore, the neighbors and those who had previously seen that he was blind, he said, isn't this the one that sat there and they begged? Some said, nah, this is, this is he. And others said, no, this is, this is just like him. This isn't the one. But he stood up and he said, no, 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 that was me. I was the one that was begging. I'm the one that has been blind forever since I was born. I'm the one that couldn't see. And they said, well, how did this happen? How did this happen? He stood up and he started giving testimony because he had purpose. Once he broke off from his sickness, he could see purpose. You see that? Once he was able to break free from his sickness, why does God want you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers? Because you have purpose. God's called you to something great and we can't see it because we believe in the lies of isolation and we've pulled away from our community. We've believed the lie of acceptance and we've just been accepting the fact that I'll never be this way and I'll never attain what God's called me to do. I'll never see what God has called me to be. We've believed the lie of, of the, the miracle prayer that I can just pray it away and it'll be fine. We've believed the lie of self-righteousness that I can't get to that place because I've made too many mistakes in my life. Jesus came along. This guy didn't even ask for healing. And he said, look, you can be moldable by the potter. I am the potter. You are the clay. I can still mold you. I can still make you what I've called you to be. Now go and wash and understand that you are sent. And he went out and the testimony was I am he that once was blind and now I can see I am the one that once was lost and now that I'm found. I am the one that I couldn't see, that I had no hope and I had no ambition and I stood on the side of the road and I begged and I begged and I begged but mercy came to me. Mercy came to me and he saved me. Really important here. The Pharisees came and they're like, whoa, 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 man. Who healed you? Who healed you? 
I don't know his name. Well, would you, would you say that he's a prophet? Yeah, he, he was for sure a prophet. So what happened to you again? He had to rehearse it again. Well, I was standing there and I was, I was begging just like I always do. And this guy came up and he made mud and he put it in my eyes and he said, go wash here. And I did and now I can see. Doesn't he understand that this is a Sabbath day? I don't, I don't know if he does or not, but what I do know is that I used to be blind and now I can see. If we read that chapter, I want to read the whole thing. I didn't want to, to read it because of time today, but if you read the whole thing, that's what he said. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know who the dude was, but I know that I was blind and now I can see. Well, doesn't he know it's a Sabbath? I don't know if it's a Sabbath or not, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. The Pharisees were upset when he was healing on the Sabbath. <laughs> Seven of Jesus' 37 miracles were on the Sabbath. They got mad at all of them. <laughs> Every one of them. I want to give you three things in, like, for real, for real closing. I want to give you three things today that's going to help you to walk in healing. Mental healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing. I wanna give you three things today that's gonna to help you. Number one, and these are not in any particular order because when I get to the third one, you're like, that should have been number one, but it leads in real good right here. So uh, number one, Sabbath. Sabbath. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. The Pharisees became religious about the Sabbath. Sabbath just means an intermission. It's not necessarily a day on the calendar, though it can be. Sabbath just means an intermission. The law of Moses, it was, it was a day. But Sabbath just means an intermission. In Genesis, God blessed three things. He blessed the animals to be fruitful and multiply. He blessed mankind to be fruitful and multiply. And he blessed Sabbath because Sabbath has the ability to be fruitful and multiply. Sabbath in your life, I am fully convinced, allows a reset for our soul. We don't talk about it enough in the, in the church. Sabbath allows a reset for your soul. There's a reason why God said, remember the Sabbath. Sanctify it. Keep it holy. See, one of the Ten Commandments, commandment number four, remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. But in Genesis, it says that God rested and he sanctified it. He sanctified it. He set it apart. He made it holy. Sabbath allows a reset for our soul, and it brings our soul, which is our mind, into alignment with our spirit. And so I don't care what it is for you, but if you want to walk in health, I'm telling you, establish a pattern of Sabbath in your life. There's a reason why Jesus healed on the Sabbath, because Sabbath is for healing. Sabbath is for healing. And in our society today, we can't be real, realistic. We can't be religious. And ritualistic was the word I was looking for. In Sabbath. And I don't want you to have condemnation because you came to church this morning and you gotta go to work this afternoon. It doesn't mean you're not keeping the Sabbath, but you need to have Sabbath. Sabbath is time of a reset. I told you, I Sabbath almost every night, 10 or 15 minutes. 
Sometimes it's a little longer. It's an intermission from the things that are going on to allow God to speak to your life, to allow a reset for your soul. Number two, Jesus community. You want to walk in health? Starts in your mind. Jesus community. What's Jesus community? Having conversations. Sometimes you're going to have to take a chance and be vulnerable. It's tough. It's tough. That comes with time, comes with trust. You build trust. You'll never build trust if you don't put yourself out there. You never build trust. The church is not meant for you to come, show up Sunday morning, come in at 10 o'clock or 10.05 or 10.10, and then leave as we're finishing up the last song or just before it. Sundays should not be all the church that you have. We've got to have community. And you say, well, I've never invited anybody's house. Invite somebody to yours. It doesn't have to be extravagant. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. You're going to eat lunch anyway. Why don't you take somebody with you? Right? Let's go have coffee. I don't know what fits your schedule. Man, our kids play on the same baseball team. Why don't we just go and have pizza after baseball and build community? I don't know what fits. I don't know what goes with you. But don't make an excuse. We've got to have Jesus community for us to be healthy. That's what God has called us to as the church. And so let's stop being isolated and let's have community. Third thing and the last thing, and the worship team can come up. The word of God. I told you you were gonna say that should have been first, but I wanted to close with it. If we're gonna walk in health, we must have three things. Number one, we must have Sabbath. Number two, we must have Jesus community. And number three, we must have the word of God. I'm gonna read this scripture again in Proverbs chapter four, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words, incline my ear to your sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart because they are life to those who find them and they are health to all their flesh. They're health to all of your flesh. I want us to walk in health. God's called us to walk in health. I've had to make some major adjustments, changes in my life, but it's worth it. And I know that we're running a little bit long here today. I don't know how long I preached. I'm gonna say that it wasn't my fault. I'm sure it was certain, it was really short. But I believe there's power in this place. I believe that the Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts and I hope, sincerely hope, that you've gotten something out of the words of God today. I was talking to a new pastor friend that I have and he said that as he was looking around at his congregation, he started to understand that Sundays weren't getting the job done. 
Some of us come here every Sunday and we struggle. We wonder why it's not working. But we've made Sunday our only connection. But I believe God's called us to something greater. He's called us to walk in health and to prosper. But in order to do that, we've got to start having some Jesus conversations and build Jesus community. In order to do that, we've got to obey and incline ourselves, give attention to the words of God. Not just listening on a Sunday, but giving attention to the word of God. Obeying what he's told us to do. In order to do that, we've got to take time and allow a reset in our life so that we can grow in the knowledge of him. We've got to take that intermission to focus our thoughts and our ideas and our spirit on God. Today, if you don't know Jesus, but you want to, I want to invite you to know him. I want to introduce you. The reality is that every single one of us have sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory. But Jesus came that we could have life in him. And he paid the price for our sin. And God wants to know you. I'll say it the same way that Paul did. I beg you today to come to God because he made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for you so that you could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so if that's you today, I want you to just say this prayer after me. If you're watching online or you're in the house today, just say this prayer and I wanna invite everybody to pray it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't. Say this, say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again. And tonight, today, I ask you into my life to help me because I can't do it on my own. Thank you for not giving up on me, but loving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that for the first time today and you meant it, the Bible says that you're a child of God. If that's you, I want to invite you just to let us know that you prayed that prayer today. Also, go to our website, which is wolcarlsbad.com, and click I Choose Jesus. It's right there on the front page, kind of next to where you see the big video. I'm gonna do one more thing before we sing this last song. Um, First of all, we talked a lot today about the knowledge of, of God and growing in the knowledge of God. Pastor Daniel has started a, um, a healing blog called 180 Days to Turn Around Your Healing. Did I say that right? 180 Days to Turn Around Your Healing. And it's live right now on wolcarlsbad.com. It's up in the left-hand corner. You'll see a little logo that says 180. Click on that, and you'll go to day one. You can start this at any time, but day one is live right now. 
So you can go on that, read it. It's a quick read. Um, Brandon, how long is that read? Five to seven minutes, something like that? Eight minutes. Eight minute read. Easy. Is your health worth eight minutes? Is the knowledge of him worth eight minutes? Go on the website. Look at that today. Read that. There's gonna be another one posted tomorrow. 180 days to turn around your healing. A new one is gonna be posted every single day for the next 180 days. This is good stuff, you guys. Let's take time, let's just make it a habit. On average, let me tell you this, it's gonna blow your mind. On average, the average person in the United States of America spends five and a half hours a day on social media. Five and a half hours a day. You're like, well, that's not me. All right, well, the person next to you is making up that average then, all right? Numbers don't lie. Five and a half hours a day. Can you spend eight minutes focusing intently on God? I think you can. Open your eyes, open it up, read it. Let's start our day that way, end your day that way, whatever it is. Procrastinate work that way, I don't know what you do. I'm gonna pray one more thing today. We're not gonna pray a magical prayer because there aren't those. But here's what I am gonna pray. If you're struggling in your life in any area, I'm gonna pray for you today as a brother in Christ. But I want you to pray too. As we said today, we need to strive to grow in the knowledge of his resurrection and the knowledge of his sacrifice. God instructed us to put away our arrogant attitudes that we already know all there is to know about Jesus' sacrifice. And so in the spirit of humility today, I want us to pray together and ask God to increase our understanding of Jesus' sacrifice. So if you're struggling today in any area, let's pray this in faith. Father God, we pray together as a body, as family, as those who want to walk in the maturity that you have for us, we ask you today to reveal to us through your Holy Spirit the knowledge of who Jesus is, the power of his sacrifice, the power of his resurrection, that we would have fellowship or an understanding of what we've been identified in his suffering and in his resurrection that we would grow in him and we would have freedom in our lives because his words, your words, are health to our flesh. God, as you reveal yourself to us, I can't pray this for you, but I can pray it for me. So God, as you reveal yourself to me and you instruct me, I'm gonna be obedient to do what you say because I know in obedience comes healing. And if you're so inclined to pray that today, then I encourage you to pray the same thing. God, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. 
once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love 